I was lucky enough to be raised in an environment where your work was allowed to be what you love to do. Work didn't have to be something that was about status or even about income. It was really about what makes you the most happy and what brings you the most joy. My mom started her own business when I was seven years old and she got to do work that she loved and still loves. She's still doing it to this day. And it was incredible to be able to be raised in an environment and by a mother who was constantly telling me, do what you love because you won't work a day in your life. If you're doing what you love, it'll just feel like play. It'll just feel like fun. And that was said to me so much over and over and over. It was very strongly impressed upon me. But what was modeled to me was that even if you love what you do, you still have to spend a lot of time doing it. We spent hours at her office, hours and hours and hours. In fact, I think we might've spent more time at her office than at home, which no, you know, no shame on my mom. She was working single mom. She had her own business that was thriving and successful and she got to do what she loved to do. So of course, you know, she wanted to be there, but I remember being younger and people asking me when I got older, if I wanted to do what she did. And I said, absolutely not because I want a life. (laughs) And what's so funny is that of course I went to graphic design school and ended up doing the work that she does and become, became an entrepreneur. And now I'm still working my little butt off all the time, but it's always been something that's been in the back of my mind. How do we get to do what we love for work? And how do we also get to do what we love for our life? How do we get to be the entrepreneur or have the career that really excites us and lights us up and, and stirs our inner passions And also be able to walk away from it and have an equally fulfilling, restful, thriving social life and family life and travel life and hobby life and everything outside of what we do to make money. Because that's the tricky part about the work is that it's always tied to our sense of survival and our sense of being able to get the resources that we need to stay alive. (laughs) So how do we separate that type of work from the work that's just for pleasure, that's just for fun, even if it's not necessarily work or under the umbrella of work, it's the stuff that we get to do, that we get to do. How can it all be stuff that we get to do? <laughs> so today I will be dissecting and exploring the subject of work-life balance. If it's even possible, if work-life balance is even a thing that can exist, which spoiler alert, yes, I believe that it can. And then also how to separate our sense of self-worth, our sense of worthiness, and our passions from our work. How do we have this balance of passion in our careers and also passion in our home and non-work life? 
My name is Hollis Maloney, and I am the founder and creator of Life Design Co., and I am so excited that you're here while we talk about work-life balance. I want to first start off by saying that I think we have all had to drink the Kool-Aid of work being the most important thing in the world. (laughs) From a very young age, we've all been put into some sort of educational system that put an emphasis on doing work now to be able to get the job, the career, the lifestyle that we want in the future. There's always been this emphasis on productivity and doing the stuff that will provide us the lifestyle that we most want in the future. So whether it be doing the homework studying or doing the extracurriculars, it all had to have some sort of purpose to get us to the thing that we want later on. There was very few things that were impressed on us to do just out of pleasure or play or fun. And I can go into a whole other, (laughs) a whole other thing about the American education system and how it drills curiosity out of us, but that's a whole other podcast. But for today's purposes, we can very clearly see that from a very early age, this mentality around everything that we do being in service to the career and the, the life purpose and the vocation and the job and the work becomes really problematic because it doesn't matter if we're doing the thing that's actually connected to the job. We're actually learning the skills, we're learning the information, we're we're learning the trades, whatever it is, or we're doing the things that actually bring us pleasure and are fun and joyful, all of it has to serve in some sort of way to the larger purpose of work. And this creates a feeling that whatever we're doing has to be connected, has to serve a purpose. It can't just be for fun. It can't just be for pleasure. It can't just be for play. And also then our sense of purpose gets very intertwined with our work and what we do for a living and our self-worth becomes very easily tied into what it is we do for work. So I want to address this first and foremost, that we've all been kind of indoctrinated into this system where our Pleasure has to be our work. Our pleasure outside of what we do for money has to also somehow feed into our work. And our sense of self-worth and overarching sense of purpose in this lifetime has to also feed our work. And this does not have to be a story that we all believe in. And in fact, if you're seeking more balance between your work and your life, this might be the opportune time to examine what is my relationship to my work? How much of my sense of self-worth is wrapped up in my work? How much time outside of my work hours am I actually spending thinking about work, reading work emails, communicating with coworkers or clients? How much time am I actually dedicating to my work? And is it time that feels well spent or does it feel like it's in service to something that I don't actually believe in or is not fulfilling me. So those are the foundational introductory questions that I would pose to you when starting to examine your own sense of work-life balance, especially getting a sense of 
how much time we're actually spending on work is kind of key to this whole conversation. And this is where I want to bring in the fact that there have been many studies that have shown that most people in the United States, at least, have a pretty strong balance between their work life and their non-work life. Most people work the average 40 hours a week, and they spend the additional 16 hours a day doing doing things outside of work. The problem is not that we have all this time spent outside of work. The problem is the intention that we bring to our time outside of work. The problem is that we also spend that time checking our emails, checking our texts from coworkers, checking in with clients, and that bleeds into the time that we could be present with our family or present to our own additional experiences outside of our work life. We could be tending to our hobbies and our passion projects and, and cooking and spending time with friends and exercising and all of the things that we say that we want to do, but we can't do because we don't have enough time because we're working all the time, right? I'm assuming that's, that's you if you're listening to this podcast. So the more that we bring the awareness and the mindfulness to the time when we're actually at work and the time that we're outside of work and we get really clear about separating the two, the more we can automatically start to feel like we have a work life and we have a non-work life. And we can become more aware of the times when we're letting our work life bleed into our non-work life and vice versa. I've been applying this really only for the past year or so, because it's again, because I grew up with a model of, or with a framework that showed me that work can be done anywhere at any time and your work and your life can be intertwined and it can be fine. I've only started realizing that that is not a model that I want to subscribe to anymore. And that I actually want a clear separation between my work life and my non-work life. So in The last year or so, I've been getting really clear about what is the time that I'm spending at work and how am I spending it? Am I taking lots of breaks to scroll through Instagram? Am I taking lots of time to, you know, read through my emails or pretend that I'm working when I should be working? And then how much time when I'm not in work mode or outside my work hours, am I also checking emails and thinking about work projects and, and how much am I allowing the boundaries to be more fluid than is supportive? And the more I've brought attention and awareness to the way that I'm operating in both of these spaces, the more I've recognized that there have been no boundaries and there have been no boundaries for a very long time. And nobody, especially as an entrepreneur, nobody is going to set those boundaries for myself. The only person that can set those boundaries is me. And I would argue that even if you aren't an entrepreneur, even if you don't work for yourself, you probably have to struggle and contend with boundaries in work regardless, because we live in a time where you can be accessible at any time, day or night. And many of us are starting to work from home now and our non-work lives and our work lives are coexisting in the same spaces. And those boundaries are becoming less and less created for us. We have to be the ones to create those boundaries. We have to be the ones to say, these are the hours in which I'm working. These are the hours when I'm not working and I'm not available during these times. 
And we all know that boundaries in any kind of relationship or dynamic or structure are key to holding the integrity together of whatever it is that has, that is an operation or is, or that is functioning, right? So if we don't have boundaries on our work life, and if we don't get really clear and name those boundaries for ourselves, we can break those boundaries all the time. And we can feel like we're working all the time when in fact, we're just not setting clear boundary lines to when we're working and when we're not working. So the next question I would pose to you, if you feel like this is you is again, examining how much time you're spending outside of work hours, actually working, (laughs) checking the emails, brainstorming the ideas, messaging with coworkers on Slack, whatever it is. And how much of that can you extract from your non-work life and just keep to your work hours? How much can you communicate to your clients, your coworkers, your boss, that you don't work during certain times and that you are not on call? What are the structures that you can put in place around your time so that, again, when you're working, you're working, and when you're not working, you're not working? What are the agreements that you can make with yourself? What are the decisions that you can make with yourself to be able to uphold those boundaries? Because that's the other thing. We can create these structures for ourselves, but unless we actually decide to adhere to those structures and adhere to those boundaries, it's pointless, right? We can set all the rules in the rule in the world, but if we don't decide that we really want to stick to them, we can break them as much as we want. And that's also the other good thing is that we can set these rules. And if we realize they're not actually working for us, we can break them and we can decide maybe this needs to to function in a different way. That's actually more supportive. The whole point and purpose of the boundaries is to be able to create that clear line in our minds that this is work time and this is not work time. And when it's not work time, we're feeling and experiencing that it's not work time. But let's also say that you really love your work. You have spent the time, you've, you've done the education, you've set the parameters, you've worked your butt off to be able to do what you love for work, whether it's for yourself or for somebody else. First, let me just say that is incredible. And I hope you're really, really proud of yourself because that is what I think a lot of people are striving for. And it's amazing that you've been able to set that up for yourself. Definitely, definitely find pride for yourself. Give yourself a pat on the back for that. But the second thing that I would say is that it doesn't matter how much you love what you do. If you do too much of it, eventually you're going to get burnt out or eventually you're going to feel the repercussions of doing all that work rippling into other parts of your life. Everything needs to be taken in moderation. Otherwise things get out of whack. We neglect the things that need more attention and love and affection from us. Things end up feeling sacrificed in ways that can be detrimental to our mental, emotional, and physical health. If you love what you do so much that you end up spending 16 hours a day, seven days a week doing the thing, your health is likely going to deteriorate. Your relationships are likely going to deteriorate your family life, so many other aspects of what makes us well-rounded human beings fall by the wayside. And then we end up, this is where we end up really starting to feel like 
our, all of our sense of purpose and self-worth is dumped into one category of life rather than being spread across the board into multiple categories of life. And if that one part of our life is not successful or thriving in the way that we want it to be, it can start to feel like we're not successful or thriving in the way that we want to be. Our sense of self-worth first and foremost is something that is built and created by ourselves internally, but it is supported by the systems and the relationships and the structures that we put around our lives. And if our time, if the majority of our time is dedicated to solely focusing on one part of our life or one category of our life, it can feel like all of our sense of purpose is thrown into that category of our life. So even if it's something that you love to do, even if you're extremely passionate about your work, it is integral that we create and stick to boundaries around our time and our energy so that we can partake in more categories of our life, more places of enjoyment, more areas of support and self-growth and exploration and creative expression than just our work or what we do for money, regardless of if it's something that we do that we're extremely passionate about or that we're not passionate about. So here I would again ask you, if you're doing work that you love, or if you're doing work that you find very fulfilling or that you really enjoy, how much time or how much energy or how much emphasis are you putting on that part of your life versus time, energy, and effort to your relationships, to your health, to your family, to your other hobbies? How much are you really focusing all of your your thoughts on just the work? And is that contributing to your sense of not feeling like you have the time and the space to do all the other things that you want to do? So much of what we believe is happening in our life has to do with our beliefs and has to do with our mindset. And if we start shifting our mindset into believing that we're spending the right amount of time at work and that we have more time to be able to explore and do all the other things in life, we're going to actually start to recognize that we have ample amounts of time and space. And I say that knowing that some of us work very intense jobs and have long commutes and have lots of time that we have to, that we have to dedicate to our jobs. But again, if we take the intention that work is work and non-work is non-work, and we don't let the two cross over so much, the more we can start to really enjoy and appreciate all those other areas of life that will feed our sense of purpose and self-worth and remind us that we are more than just what we do for work. Again, we have to understand that we're coming from a belief system that is linear, that everything that we do has to feed into one part of our lives. But in order to feel like we're accessing the well-rounded and holistic experience of life, we have to remember that we have to break out of that linearity. We have to do the work to shift our thinking from believing that everything needs to be dumped into this one aspect of our life, that our work is everything of who we are. And in fact, our purpose and our existence is not simply to serve one part of ourselves, but to serve 
all the parts of ourselves. So how can we do the work to break out of that linear single-minded thinking and remind ourselves that there is so much more to our lives than just the work and all of it requires just as much effort, energy, and is just as important as the work that we do. And our legacy does not connect to just what we do for our jobs and careers. Now, all of that said, let's now assume that you're the person that wants to turn your passion pursuit, your passion project, your hobby is what you really love to do into your work. And you're a little bit nervous about what your work-life balance is going to look like when you are doing everything that you love to do and that you want to spend all of your time doing. Before deciding if this is something that you really want to do, I would ask, I would have you ask yourself, can this passion project, can this creative outlet, can this pleasure, this hobby, this thing that provides me so much enjoyment withstand the pressure of needing to be the vehicle that gets me the resources I need to survive. Because we live in a time now where what we do for work is inextricably tied into the emotions of survival, which can be fear, which can be anxiety. It can add to this overarching sense of pressure because if we don't make money, then we can't afford food. We can't afford our homes. And that puts a lot of pressure on what once was the thing that was the outlet, right? The thing that was the outlet suddenly becomes inextricably connected to our sense of foundational security and support. And if our foundation is insecure or rocky, then everything else feels, feels rocky and, and shaky and insecure. So if you're at this stage where you're considering how to make your hobby or your, your passion pursuits tied to how you earn an income, I would just have you ask yourself, does it make sense? Can this outlet for creative self-expression, can this hobby, can this thing that brings me so much joy, can it withstand the pressure of needing to be my means of survival? Or can I do something else that is enjoyable, fulfilling, that I feel valued, valued in doing, that I feel like my strengths are being exercised around, that doesn't have to be an outlet. Can I do that to make money and still have my outlet on the side? And there is no right or wrong answer here. Everyone will have their own sense of what, what works for them. I'm the type of person where my work has to be, has to be what I love. Otherwise I will drive myself crazy. <laughs> I have to work for myself. I can't work for anybody else. And what I love to do has to be my work. But for other people, having, again, those boundaries set on their work life, having somebody else to say, this is what you're doing and this is what you're not doing. And this is what you need to do in order to make the money that you need to be able to afford your resources. That is really in important to their sense of security and stability and survival. So just asking yourself, what makes sense for you? And if you end up turning your hobby into what you do for a living in order to make money, expect to have it tainted in some way, shape or form. 
And I'm not saying that it, ha- it that it will turn into something that you abhor doing or that all of the pleasure is sucked out of, but just know that when when your passion gets connected to that pressure of foundational survival, it changes. There is no way that it can't change and you just have to be mindful of how you how you navigate that shift. Because at the end of the day, work is work. It's hard. It's challenging. It pushes us in ways that make us feel like our edges are being stretched. And that's all really, really good. And our work life is thoroughly woven into our means of survival. And you cannot tie in a passion to your sense of survival without your passion shifting. The reason why something is an outlet is because it's an outlet. It doesn't serve a purpose other than to be pleasurable and to be fun and to provide a sense of restoration. So if you attach it to your means of making money and your means of accessing your survival resources, it's going to, it's going to take on a level of pressure. So just be aware that that is likely going to happen. And that's just the nature of the energetic exchange. And now here, this leads me into talking about our last and and final area of work-life balance, at least for this episode. And that is rest and actually allowing ourselves to do the things that are enjoyable outside of work and doing the things that challenge the belief system of having of everything having to be dedicated to our work and our success and our ability to achieve something bigger than us in this lifetime. And this is where mentality is key because everything in this life is cyclical. Everything that goes up must come down. We have to balance waking life with sleep. We have to be able to do the things that let our muscles rebuild our tissues. And we also have to do the things that challenge us and break down our muscles so that we can get stronger. We have to work because it is my belief that we actually, as human beings, love to do work. We love to challenge ourselves. Our happiness is connected to our ability to achieve, to prove that we can do things that are difficult. That brings us a sense of fulfillment, a sense of joy, our sense of purpose, our sense of self-worth, our sense of inner strength. However, We cannot do that all the time without exhausting our systems. We are not computers plugged into an external energy source. We are human beings that require ourselves to feed our energy back to us. We have to eat. We have to rest. We have to do things that are pleasurable and fun and restorative in order to have the energy to accomplish the things we most want to accomplish. I always come back to the subject of sleep because there's so many studies now that prove that sleep is, is not something that we just enter into and we, we end up doing nothing in for the eight hours or six hours or however long we end up sleeping. But in fact, we're within a really, really active process of restoration. Our brains are undergoing a chemical bath that allows us to integrate information and store our memories. Our bodies are rebuilding our cell tissue 
there is so much going on that is allowing us to come into our waking state the next day replenished and feeling fed enough to do the things that we want to do out in the world with enough energy. And if we don't get enough sleep, we actually walk around as if we're inebriated. There are studies that show that our brains actually function as if we, we've been drinking alcohol or smoking weed and we're, we're inhibited in different parts of our, our, our waking state in our brains. So if we think about the balance of work life and non-work life as kind of like waking life and sleep life, you can see how there's this really integral cycle where both things feed each other and they are necessary in order to create, again, that holistic sense of self and support in, in our continued growth and expansion. That said, I understand and have felt many times myself that when I'm not working, I feel like I'm without purpose or I'm not doing what I, I need to be doing or I should be doing. And this is where I would just revisit virtually everything that I've already discussed in this podcast. First being that we've been ingrained into believing that everything that we must do or everything that we do must serve a purpose. And that purpose is our work because that will afford us the life that we need and it will afford us our means of survival or it will be our means of survival. So in that sense, I would ask myself, how much is this feeling of needing to get work done is tied into this old belief system that I should be spending all of my time working. That's what was modeled to me. That was ingrained in me. That was encouraged in me and rewarded in me from a very early age. How much is that playing into my feeling that I quote unquote should be working right now? Second, I would ask myself, how much am I dedicating my time and my energy and effort to my work right now? And is it in balance with the other parts of myself and my life? Am I spending other time on my hobbies, on my relationships and friendships with my family, on my health, doing all of the things that help me feel like a whole human being rather than just a robot doing one task or, or one activating one part of myself in my life. And lastly, I would simply address how much have I been leaning into the habit of work? How much have I been leaning on it as a means of feeding the need of self-worth? How much have I been leaning on it to make me feel like I have a purpose and how much have I been leaning on, again, these other categories, these other parts of myself to feed those needs? And if I'm spending so much time leaning on my work to feed my sense of purpose, then perhaps it's going to be pretty uncomfortable as I detach myself from that belief system. If you, like me, have been a culprit of workaholism, you know that undoing the habits and patterns of behavior of wanting to work all the time is really, really hard because it's like any other addiction. 
And again, it's rewarded because the more we work, the more money we likely make, or the more we succeed in, in the business that we're working for. And the more we get the rewards of working up the ladder or the acknowledgement of our hard work and our effort. So it can be really, really difficult to undo the mentality that we, we go to work first and that we're going to receive everything that we need from work. But if we spend a little bit of time reminding ourselves that we can find purpose and value and self-worth and support and resources outside of our work, the more we can start to slowly detach from those habits and place more value on the time that we're spending outside of work and the relationships that we have outside of work and our passions outside of work and the hobbies outside of work so that we can feel balanced and supported. We can start to enter into the state of actual work-life balance achievement because our mindsets, our belief systems are not wrapped up in, in the belief that work is everything and that we are only the work that we do. But in fact, we're actually so much more than that, more than just the work and more than just the person who does the work. So to wrap up today's episode, I would like for you to contemplate just a few questions. The first being, who are you Besides the person that does the work that you do, if you're a teacher, are you also a mom? Are you also a friend? Are you also a sister? Are you also a pet parent? Are you also a lover of knitting and reading and cooking? What other parts of your identity make up who you are beyond what you do for work? And then the second question I would ask you is how much time I've already asked this question a few times, but I'm going to reiterate it. How much time do you spend outside of work on work stuff? And what boundaries can you put in place so that you're actually intentionally spending that time outside of work doing things that are not work related? And then the last thing I would ask you is when do you experience guilt around rest? And how can you take what has been discussed in this podcast to remind yourself that rest is an integral part of being able to function optimally when you are working, that downtime is the energy source, the food source to being able to do the work that you do and show up in the work that you do fully as yourself alive and capable and most energized and motivated so that you can thrive as you're doing the work rather than feeling like you're doing the work and perhaps sludging through it because you're exhausted. And this last question I know is probably the toughest because it has to do again with our belief systems and what we have ingrained in us that is a mental belief habit. But the more time we spend recognizing how much rest feeds us, how we feel after we do restorative activities, how we feel after waking up after a good night of sleep, the more we can recognize the value in the rest that we do and how it contributes to how much we can contribute in the work that we do. So 
I really hope that you take this last question to heart and think about in the long run, how can you undo the belief pattern that everything that you do has to have a purpose and you have to be activated and on call all the time and how much you actually need and require yourself to relax and restore and rejuvenate yourself. So that is the episode today. I hope that you all got something out of it. If you did, please feel free to hit us up on socials and send us messages via email through the website. We love to hear from you. And if you have any ideas for anything you want us to talk about or any bits of this podcast that you want us to explore even deeper, definitely send us a message. We love, again, we love hearing from you guys and we love to be able to explore what you want to hear more than anything, because our whole purpose of creating this podcast in the first place is to create content that actually serves a purpose for you and your life. So give us your questions, give us your challenges, and we'll, we'll explore it on a future podcast. But until then, wishing you all lots of enjoyment in your work life and your non-work life and catch you in the next one. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what we do here, please feel free to share, follow, write a review, or let us know what you think. We love hearing from you, our community. So if you have any thoughts, ideas, or questions about any of the work that we do here at Life Design Co., please feel free to contact us on Instagram. We're life design co, or you can email us at hello at the life This podcast is a production of life design co and hosted by me, Hollis Maloney and edited by Kimmy and Dunn. Thank you again for listening and see you in the next one. Thank you.